Ayo. Does not. I don't like that. It's just so cheesy. <laughs> Hire Tony Danza. Ayo, whoa, wait. I'm going to hunt Tony Danza. This is Authority Optional, Leadership Beyond the Rulebook. Today, Josh and I talk about team building exercises and icebreakers. What's right and wrong with them, how to do it right, how to do it wrong, and why you should call them something else. Enjoy the show. Twenty days. Twenty. Twenty. That was uh. There was a guy from one of my coworkers that she told me this story that <laughs> that's how he said twenty. He always said twenty, and she was like, "In other words, starts with a T, right?" He's like, "Yeah." She's like, "Say 12. He's like, "Twelve. Say twenty. Twenty. <laughs> like, twenty. Okay. We decided, kind of. That today we're talking about team building exercises and icebreakers. We just kind of of brainstormed some topics last night and unbeknownst to Josh, I just chose one. And (laughs) this was this was not on the color palette of of choices for today. No, it's a good one. It is a good one. I think so, because I think that we might have a real dividing line. Uh, not between us, because I think we feel the same about it, but between this is, I think we're going to split the camp on this. There, there are going to be people that are super into this kind of stuff, and then there's going to be people who probably feel a little bit more like us, which if you haven't figured out by now, we're not into it. But yeah. we're going to get into detail. So tell me, a little, I said team building icebreakers, because I'm combining two things to try to be funny, but tell me your feelings about that, Josh. Oh, that's a, that's a I, I honestly, I almost need to analyze it because I've known about this for like two minutes. Yep. I, I don't like icebreakers in the traditional sense. They're usually campy and they're cheesy. And that's what always comes into my mind. I think there are ways that you can do exercises where you get to know people. But I think what the big problem is, is we try and get people to jump in, dive in, be vulnerable, get to know one another at a deeper level for two minutes there's no depth to that at all. And it pisses me off because of the simple fact that I actually want to know about people and what makes them tick. And the icebreaker is, I I don't know how else to describe it. It's, it's like the, the cheap, easy version of vulnerability. It's the knockoff. It, it pisses people off more than, more than anything else. I have had a couple where there were certain elements that, uh, we can talk about, you know, as we go on where I remember them and I would utilize them again, but not as an icebreaker. I would utilize them in a meeting where we've already established trust and what our intent is and why we're talking about things as opposed to if you're over the age of 55, step into the circle. Uh, and it's like, wow. Um, okay. So here's here's my thought on it. Uh, what you're talking about where you're actually you're you're you come across an activity where you're actually thinking about incorporating this into a meeting when you know, you've gone down the road with your team a little bit. That's not an icebreaker, right? <laughs> Icebreakers. I hate to tell you listeners that like them, they're fucking garbage. Icebreakers are trash. Here's why it is a cheap attempt to try to break the ice. You don't need to break the ice. If you're doing a meeting in the right way in the first place, If you are, and we've talked about, if you haven't listened to the episode yet, 
where we talk about Adam Grant's podcast, why meetings suck and how to fix them. Josh and I, you know, deliberate about that a little bit, but we definitely talk about how to have meetings in the right way. And if you're doing that, you have no need to break the ice and icebreakers as they appear in my mind, do nothing of this sort. It's just, as you said, they piss people off. They're annoying. They're silly. They're dumb and they're useless. So you got there. All right, everybody stand up. If you're, you know, under 25, sit down. And then you, oh, good. We know who the oldest people in the room are. Do you think they're fucking pumped about that? Probably not. The, like, the people who maybe their their face belies their age a little bit, and all of a sudden now we have to know that they're over 60, like, that's probably not comfortable for them. Or no. you have the, tell us your favorite candy, or whatever whatever nonsense. Trivial, trivial things that do Nobody not cares matter. about. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody gives a damn. Well, there was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm joking with the whole step into the circle over the age of 55. We were actually doing an icebreaker for a BDC. That's Big Dumb Company, if you haven't heard a previous episode. And this company we both worked for, they're good people. They're just trying to do something a little bit out of the box. We already know each other. Introductions aren't necessary. There's 35 leaders in this room. There's 30 managers that were at my level, four at your level, and the site director. And we go into this meeting, and maybe people aren't comfortable. Maybe some of the ladies in the group, if we want to get really stereotypical, don't want to mention that they're over 55 or over 60 years old. Right. One of the questions which fascinated me because this group of very successful individuals, if we're talking monetarily, etc., people were doing well for themselves. Uh, we were the number one site uh, as well as Max's particular group being number one in the world. The site in Boise was... yeah. Yeah, doing pretty maybe. good. Yeah. They had one question, which definitely sparked a conversation after the fact, primarily in a good way. But the question was, everybody who doesn't have a college degree step in the circle. You actually asked that question, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. And it's one of those pieces where some people are really protective of that. Some people want to have the conversation around, you know, education versus lived experience and, and pieces like that. But when you have certain questions with certain groups of people and you don't know what the answer is or um, if you're not putting it through an EQ machine, you could end up with somebody being really upset that they basically had to cop to the fact that I'm working with people with master's degrees and MBAs and I have a high school education. You're smart because you're smart. Uh, you're learned because you put in time and you read the books and you, you, you do the things that you need to do to become a leader. But more often than not, icebreakers just put people in a position where they're wholly grossly uncomfortable. They're not being honest. You're not getting a vulnerable answer. And they're a waste of time. I think we can end now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was a great show. (laughs) Thank you guys for joining us. That was more of a diatribe than I intended. But um, there are so many red flags that come up where you're asking people for information that they might not want to share. So it should be noted that I was asked to create an icebreaker for the group for the first and last time after that. And the reason that I chose that is because I specifically thought of something that would make people wildly uncomfortable, and I was making a mockery of it. I was doing it on purpose. And by the way, in case anybody's curious, I stepped into the ring because I do not have a college degree. So Three, Three quarters of that management group, which I was emboldened, it was like, you know, I do have a college degree, but it's not something that's ever actually gotten me a job except once. 
And, and it was amazing to me that people could be that successful and that engaged. Uh, and it was kind of a fantastic question. It stuck with me. I don't, I don't think I realized until you just said that, that A, you created that and B, that you were doing it somewhat out of spite. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent out of spite. Not somewhat. I was angry about it. I was irritated and it was just, we were doing a rotation thing and it got to me and I said, you don't want me to do this. And they're like, no, 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 it's your turn. You have to. It's like, okay. And they should have known better. I, I just, listen, <laughs> I'm not going to advocate for being the way that I was in a corporate environment because it doesn't work for everybody. But I was very much against the BDC. I'm very much against standard, stale, bland corporate culture. So therefore, I push, I subvert the dominant paradigm and I make it pretty known, especially once I get my feet under myself and I'm performing and my team is crushing and kicking everyone's ass. Then I start pointing out, you don't have to be this kind of person that plays along and gets along to get along and toes the line and drinks the corporate Kool-Aid. Like you don't have to be that person. That's just, that's me. Like I said, I'm not, it's not for everybody, but it is for me. And it worked like hell because people like honesty and sincerity and they like a boss who's earnest and real. And like, this is just who I am getting, trying to get to know people. <laughs> Here's your 30 second blurb. Get to know me. Yeah. So, icebreakers just in general like when you hear that term there's usually you get some ditto remember the word term ditto god yeah <laughs> i do you get a you get a ditto and you get you know you got to fill something out and everybody it's just it's all nonsense and it's in place of meaningful stuff that actually get people to know each other this is funny because i'm i'm being really rude and i can i can tell it's bothering you no yeah. No, I was looking something up. I was listening to something on the way over here. Are you familiar with uh, Abby Wambach and Glennon Doyle's podcast, We Can Do Hard Things? No. Um, it's a top-rated podcast. It's fantastic. And uh, one of the episodes this week was How to Host Magical Gatherings with Priya Parker. And the the crux of what they're talking about is we have all of these things that we do, whether it's holiday parties or retirement parties or icebreakers at the beginning of a meeting to try to get people to know each other. There are these wrote things that we do because we've always done them and yes. it's what we know pluralistic <laughs> ignorance we learned from adam grant yeah. and and in those moments being the brave person who does the hard thing and actually stands up and asks a truly vulnerable question or introducing you know i i can picture something where if we didn't know one another or if it's the first meeting that you've had in a while and there's new people on the team Having somebody at your level, for instance, introduce your managers like, you know, this is this is Josh. His strengths are this and this and this. And and it's really funny because when I say that, most people that I know who are managers of people, they couldn't do it. They they couldn't actually go through their own 10 individuals that work for them and introduce them to their peers or their supervisor with anything close to accuracy of who they are as a human unless they're leading through connection and unless they actually sit down and have the discussions and know who people really are. Yeah. 30 seconds. It's not going to happen. There's, there's one activity. There's a version of an icebreaker that I, in, you know, full admission, I will say that I have used particularly when somebody new got introduced to the team 
Now, granted, they're coming into an already created culture oftentimes, but the, the thing that I would do is we're going to do the three, the three question thing. What do we probably already know about you? What do we definitely not know about you? And what do we absolutely need to know about you? And that's just, that was kind of my way of, I dare say, forcing somebody to get a little vulnerable because what do you probably know about me is maybe it's something physical. Maybe it's something that's obvious about my personality. Like by the time Josh had gotten through his interview and he was introduced to the team, we can all tell he's an extrovert. So that would have been an easy answer. What do you probably already know about me? I'm an extrovert. What do you definitely not know about me? All right, now now you got to dig. Now you got to go into something that maybe you wouldn't have said otherwise. But the real vulnerable thing is what do we need to know about you? What, we, what must we absolutely know about you? And so that's an opportunity to tell the team, here's the thing that I am really all about, or here's something that's a huge pet peeve of mine, but you're, you're laying something out on the table. And that's, if you're going to do some version of an icebreaker, n- rule number one for me, don't call it an icebreaker. Because it makes it that word conjures in the corporate world, in people's minds, terrible things. Nobody likes them. And if you do like them, good for you. Like, I'm not going to judge you for it. But just know if you're one of the very few people who loves an icebreaker, maybe you're the kind of person who's being creative with them. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt that if you really like them, maybe you have found some joy because you've come across some really unique ones or something, something like I just described. If I'm going to pat myself on the back. But generally speaking, just know if you're a person who likes them, almost the rest, almost everybody else hates them. All you have to do is say the word. And I think most people get anxious. Yeah. And there's a, there's a great place for discomfort in vulnerability and getting to know someone. My pet peeve with them is uh, the timing. If you have it in your agenda that you're going to go around the room and everybody's going to do your three questions and then we're going to move on after two, three, four minutes. 9 a.m. to 9.07 a.m. Yeah. Icebreaker. it, it's something that really demands, like, dig in, ask questions, you know, give us an example of things that you don't know about me or things that, you know, what was the third one? I want to, what do you absolutely need to know about? What me? do you, what do you need to know about me? And yeah. the depth of that, there needs to be Q and a, it's, it's not going to be just, you know, if we're asking for something that's that deep, you know, and we're not talking about, you know, personal trauma or anything along those lines, it really, it, it needs to be something where there's Q and A and there's time spent and however long it takes to get your head around the answers to these three questions and back and forth and asking questions around the room, that's more important and time well spent as yeah. opposed to a traditional icebreaker, which is really meant to just shake off the everybody needs to pay attention kind of thing. There's, there's, there's better ways to engage people and get them to pay attention than doing an icebreaker that makes everybody uncomfortable. Well said. Icebreakers are designed to get people to participate. And that's, that's not enough. A good meeting gets them to participate. Thank you. (laughs) A a quick example. Like I'll, I'll tell you what my answers to those three questions were. My answers were, what do you probably know about me? I'm short and I'm the first person to make fun of it. What do you not know about me? I've been fight trained for over 30 years. And what do you need to know about me? I hate repetition. There you go. We're done. And that's, that's digging a little deep. And that's not even me being vulnerable necessarily. The part where I say what, what is vulnerable is telling people that my pet peeve, it gives them an opportunity to poke that. You know, there, there, are, there are people in your life that will go, oh, you don't like repetition, huh? 
it's funny. I'm thinking about how I would have answered it then. I think I know how I would answer the the questions now. And for the sake of the conversation, I think it's it's worth it. The things that you already know about me, uh, if you listen to the cast or if you know me, like just I really do this idea of connection and the people that we work with for hours and hours on end that I see more than my family. I believe that we don't have to be friends necessarily, but I do want to know who you are and what makes you tick and how I can help. And it's it's uh, maybe a give and take, but you know that's obvious. And it's the extrovert piece for sure. Things that people wouldn't know about me unless I brought it up typically. I'm a pro-level blues guitar player. I say that trepidatiously, but I do get paid to play guitar. <laughs> uh, well, as a person who has seen you perform several times, I would fully agree that you are pro-level. And and that's always fun because usually there's one or two musicians in a room or people who really like music, and it starts some conversations that I think are really fun as an extrovert about music and what we like, and there's a lot of common ground there. And then the third... Or you, or you just get people who are not oh, like me, who are not musicians, and they all of a sudden they get bright starry-eyed, and they're like, oh my God, do you... Can do I go somewhere? Can I listen to you? Do you have a? Are you on Spotify? Like, you know, you get a you get a conversation out of it almost no matter what because that's that's a cool thing. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Well, and then and then what do you need to know about me? I know now that it would be, I have a tendency to focus on the things that I'll punch holes in. You need to know that if I'm punching holes in something and I forgot to caveat the fact that the only reason I'm looking at it is where where I might see an obstacle. And I'm learning as I'm getting older to look for the open pathways. I've worked in a couple of places where it was always, well, we can't do it because of this and because of this and because of this. And it's like, I can get by it with this and this and this. Like I'm more focused on the path on through that than I am on the obstacles. But I'm a natural hole puncher. It's a default for me. The first thing I look at is what problems are we going to run into so that not not to throw them in front of you and go, this won't work. It's to put them up and go, how do we get around these things? If I don't caveat that, I, I can come off uh, like I am just putting down an idea. And so you need to know that if I go into hole puncher mode for some reason, the reason that I'm doing it is internally I'm trying to figure out how we maneuver through to get to where somebody wants to be, not because I'm trying to say we can't do that. Yeah. And I've had to dig myself out of a couple of holes once or twice where it's like, why are you shooting this idea down? It's like, Oh, I'm sorry. That's not what my intent is. Well, maybe, uh, maybe the people who have a problem with it don't understand that really what hole punching is, is actually called critical thinking. Yes. And for people who, don't think along those lines. It feels an awful lot like a personal attack. Mm -hmm. If you are somebody who critically thinks through a process and I'm going to throw up all the obstacles, all the things that are good. And then what do we need to overcome those obstacles? That's one of the primary functions I believe of being a manager is to remove obstacles from somebody's way and from their path to becoming who and what they're supposed to be in the world. It's important to caveat that and have that discussion up front. You've now said that word. Three times in the last five minutes, and I need to ask Have you, you heard the intent episode? We say the word intent like <laughs> we should have a drinking game. But when it's about it, that episode's about it. You say, by the way, I don't know if you know this. It's not pronounced caveat. It's pronounced oh. caveat. Oh, okay. Potato, potato. We can we can take this out. I just, I, I want you to know, I, I, I heard you say it enough times in the first couple episodes. Like, I don't think that's how it's pronounced. And then I looked it up and I was like, no, it's not pronounced that way. Anyway, it's not to... I think not it's not to break your balls. I it's, think it's really important if you're a hole puncher that you actually tell people up front why you do that and not have to dig yourself out. So you can you can take that as mentorship advice. If okay. you do that naturally like I do, you need to know about that about me. Yes. 
I agree. Now I, you can edit think... that back any way you want. <laughs> okay. Well done. Uh, the other thing, I wanted to go back. I, I started to tell people, if you're going to do something that falls into the category of icebreaker, if you're going to put something at the beginning of the meeting that is supposed to proverbially warm up everybody's rotator cuffs, my advice would be don't call it an icebreaker because as much as I hate this term, it's a trigger word that it's you're as Josh mentioned earlier, you're, you're going to get people to feel anxious. Like, Oh God, here we go. What are you going to ask me? My, my favorite pizza topping. Are we, we all going to stand up and then sit down as categories? Like, I guess maybe that's the thing is don't make it about things that absolutely don't matter. Yes. So advice number one, step number one, don't call it an icebreaker, call it a topic of conversation. Advice number two have it be a real topic of conversation. I don't give a shit what your favorite candy is. I don't care what your favorite pizza topping is. I don't care how old you are. I want to know something about you. Like I tend to punch holes in things. That's me being a critical thinker. And I just want you to know that doesn't mean that I think your idea is trash. It just means that I have questions. That's great. I love to know that about somebody. So Call it what it is. That's not an icebreaker. That is, we're getting to know each other, which is what you should be trying to do. And again, if this is a new concept, you go back and listen to our podcast about, uh, you know, Adam Grant's why meetings suck and how to fix them. I think the the best type of conversation starters in those types of meetings are the questions that, like what you mentioned, that have more depth. For instance. You know, we've been apart. We haven't had a meeting for two or three months and we're going to do a quarterly meeting. What's the most recent book that you've read? What brought you to it? And what did you get out of it? Yeah. You know, so good or bad. What did you get out? Yeah. The most recent book might be a biography because it was around a person or topic that you're interested in. But then also, what did you get from it? What insights about life in the world actually came from reading somebody else's words? Not just... You know, I don't know. Dumb shit. (laughs) (laughs) Dumb shit that nobody cares about. All right. Team building exercises. This is a slightly different topic, but it's similar and related. I'll say this for both of those things. The best leaders I have ever worked for have never done icebreakers. And the only team building exercise is something like a holiday party where we all drive off site we go to a place that has bocce ball and we drink and dine and play bocce together and smoke cigars and whatever, you know, whatever people wanted to do. Some of the funnest experiences I've had with a team are, you know, fall into that category of a holiday celebration or what we would call an offsite. That's fine. If you're, if that's, if that's your version of a team building exercise, great. But going to a place with the idea that we're going to do this thing together and it's going to build us up as a team. That's crap. It's, it's contrived and people, we all know when it's contrived and we're forcing ourselves to go through it. So you go to a team building exercise. It's like, we're going to split ourselves into two different teams and we're going to build a house out of aluminum foil and paper clips and pencils and whoever comes up with the stop the, the bridge Please. or the structure. Yeah. I've, I've seen these. I've been a part of these and, Everybody is groaning. It's so forced and it's so contrived and it's so fake. If you're, if you're going to take somebody away from their job with the intent to have them bond, 
Go have them do what humans do to bond. Building a bridge out of paper clips and popsicle sticks is not what people do to bond. They go play bocce and drink and eat together. They talk. They they have an experience together. Like, you know, if you, you want to go do a ropes course thing, that's kind of cool because you're all doing it together. But don't split people up into two teams and pit them against each other and show them what teamwork is supposed to look like. That's all crap. Yeah, and heaven forbid you should actually ask them, like, you know, do you guys want to go skiing? Do you want to go whitewater rafting? Do you want to go golfing? Do you want to just hang out at the house and play bocce and attack my home bar? It's okay to have it be simple and elegant as opposed to something that nobody wants to be at, you know, that you have to, you know, and and I would say this too. It's funny because a lot of those offsites and things like that, do them during work. Don't do any work and don't make it about work and don't be, don't make it about trying to educate people on things. That's not what that's for. If you want people to bond, remove the work part of the equation out of it. Yeah. And, and don't make it outside of work hours where possible. You know, there might be a dinner or an evening or something like that. If you have the right team and you've actually built the culture, we actually wanted to hang out (laughs) and that's very different. There's a lower common denominator where you may have somebody that you absolutely are not inviting to your home for any sort of gathering because you know, it'll lead to something (laughs) bad. (laughs) This sounds like you've heard some of my stories. I, uh, I, I, I regularly would do, some version of an extra holiday party of my own. So the back back in the days when our particular BDC had budget and they actually spent money on their employees, I had an amount of money that I could spend on. We would go do an offsite. We would go to a restaurant or whatever, like a middle of the day thing, like you're saying, you know, during work. So hours. that it doesn't impact family. That right. Type of thing. And then I would do a separate thing, which is if you would all like to go, I would love for you all to go. But if you would all like to go, come over to my house. We'll drink. We'll dine. We'll play ping pong. You know, we'll we'll play around. But I did not do that for a certain number of years because the team that I took over, and if you've been following along on all our shows so far, you've already heard this. The team I took over was a shit show. And there were people on that team that I, I did not, in no way did I want them to know where I lived, to know how I lived. I didn't want them in my house because I didn't trust these people. And those people had to go before I started having events in my house. So this is to your point that you were saying earlier, like if you've got the right team for it and you should be, it, it, that's, that's what we're all striving for. That's the whole purpose of this podcast is how to get the kind of team that we're talking about that you can invite over to your home and feed them and, you know, booze them up or, or whatever everybody wants to do and have a good time because you all actually want to just spend quality time with each other. That's what you're shooting for. And it's amazing. And that's how you have a team that outperforms everybody else in the world doing what you're doing. That's how you do it. But that takes time. And your quote unquote team building exercises leading up to that moment should be about people getting to know each other, connecting on a human level. It should not be about teaching them what it's like to be a good team or or driving home some other lesson that you think is valuable for the work life that you guys have. None of that has any business if you're trying to create a team that actually just gets along. They're not going to learn to get along because they built a bridge out of paper clips. I don't know why that one's stuck in my head. <laughs> yeah, because it's brutal. It is. Um, we did have one. I'm not sure you were on the team yet. We did a, a nerf a nerf war thing not in the building we actually went to a place nerfed yeah um and we we did split up into two teams but there was no lesson it was just and we rotated 
like, all right, there's five of you over here. There's five of us over here. And we're just going to shoot each other with nerf darts and <laughs> nerf balls and have a good time. And the reason we did that particular activity is because I asked the team, what do you guys want to do? And there was one guy, uh, always raising his hand and it always had to do with something warfare. He wanted to go paintballing and he wanted to go nerfing. And I finally just was like, you know what? I'm kind of tired of telling this guy, no, he's so excited. And it, it sounds fun to me. And there were some people that were like, I definitely am not going to do that. I'm like, well, I'm not going to force you. That's part of it. You can't <laughs> go do a, a bonding exercise like this and force people to participate. I have a horrible chicken walk that I I must share. Well, let's do it. Uh, working for the phone company, um, I was there for about seven years from 2002 to 2009 for, for the phone company here in Idaho. Marshmallow war. All of a sudden, the managers are walking around with bags of campfire-sized marshmallows, setting five on everybody's desk. And we're all like, and some people just started eating them. They're like, they're not to eat. Just hold on. <laughs> They set these marshmallows out and then they went around once everybody had their marshmallows. You know, this is every every manager's handing these things 60 to 90 seconds to hand out these marshmallows. And we're all like, what in the world is going on? And so they're like, nobody was suspecting that if I don't eat these five, then I'll get 10 later. (laughs) And and they're walking around going, block your next call, block Mm -hmm. the next call. And so everybody's putting the block on so that when this call ends, they're not going to get another phone call. And we're all like, okay, we have marshmallows and they want to talk to us. And they waited until the last person was off the phone. And then they yelled the words marshmallow fight. And they started throwing marshmallows at us. And for the next like three, four, five minutes, people were hucking marshmallows at each other. There's like two or 300 people in this, in this call center setting throwing marshmallows. These are adults. <laughs> Important just, distinction. just so now, now here's the horrible part. It was, it was fun. It was funny. I thought it was, you know, I got pelted with a couple. Mm-hmm. Some people got nailed. Mm. Some people got hit so hard in another center over in Idaho falls that it started a fist fight and one person got suspended and the other person got <laughs> fired. Guess what? We never did again. It's too bad because that's actually got, kind of a cool got, idea. Right? <laughs> but you've got to know the audience. You've got to pick and choose. I can only imagine if they would have run that by human resources. This is like a Fortune 100, easy Fortune 100 company. At the at the time, there were like 14 states with tens of thousands of employees. <laughs> and they, they were doing this marshmallow fight. And I'm just in my head. I'm like, this is not team building. This is an excuse for me to either get hit or be like, I don't really like that guy. I'm throwing all five marshmallows at this dude. And it literally started a fist fight and, and somebody lost their job because somebody wanted to do a fun little team building icebreaker without telling anybody and, and forced hand and somebody took it too far. Right. On the flip side of that, the things I absolutely got the most out of were management leader, leadership meetings where we were reading the same book and then we were reflecting on what we got out of each chapter week by week or sometimes two chapters um, if it was an easy read. And that was where we gained a depth of understanding of how we processed information, the things that were important to us, and those takeaways and those vulnerable shares. And then also just using each other for sounding boards and getting that that reframing where we might have even been offended by the way somebody approached something. And it's like, well... I don't see it that way. And here's how I interpreted it. These beautiful, deep conversations where we really got to know each other. That's where we built team. 
Well, I want to comment on the Marshmallow War, and then I want to comment on the book club. <laughs> it, it was well intended. Uh, to me, that sounds like a blast. And if I, had, if I had a perfect world, what we used to do in the Contact Center, and again, I think this was, you may have been in for part of it, but I know it happened a lot before you got there, because we would do, like, various people had Nerf guns. And even on the job, we were in a Contact Center, and people, like... That same guy who wanted always always wanted to do some kind of warfare related bonding event, um, you know, he basically started this. And for do you hear children in the background? I do. That's because these these neighbors are finally out. So they got they got wow. a fucking trampoline. <clears throat> okay, and those, um, they they moved in, and <laughs> it's like is somebody's cell phone on? Is there a video of one of my children playing in the background? No, Sorry, our neighbors moved in, and they've got like six. I'm not kidding, six girls, and we have not heard a peep out of those girls until they got a trampoline. Yes, and now we hear them all the time and doing that, <laughs> that 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 wicked shrill ass blood curdling scream that kids do. You should cut this out. Maybe it's just going to make you look bad. I don't care <laughs> if your kid screams like that. Tell them to knock it off. Anyway, <laughs> marshmallow fight. There's only one reason a kid should scream like that is somebody's dying. That's what that scream is reserved for. All right. Yeah, I'll probably cut this out. Marshmallow fight. Our Nerf Wars would go on and usually this started on kind of like the swing shift. And so there were fewer people there. The swing shift was always a little bit smaller. And people just randomly, you know, they'd be walking by and they'd pop somebody and there'd be a giggle and then, you know, whatever and walked on until, and this is always the case, one person will ruin it for everybody. And this is, this goes back to what you were talking about. You got to know your audience. One woman got hit maybe in the head with a Nerf dart and was you know she she claimed probably that she got some kind of headache or whatever like she she never was a part she never liked it she never wanted to be a part of it she got hit by accident and then it was just like that's it i'm calling hr i i those people don't deserve to work with other people you need to go find a job where you are sequestered off by yourself nobody else is around because you don't like other people it just own it. You I don't. Have so many thoughts going through my head right now. I imagine this is an area where we disagree. But uh, to me, that's like that's so petty. You can stand up and say, "Guys, please, like, please avoid me. Like, I, I don't want to get. I don't want to participate. I don't want to be required to participate. It's not my thing. But I also don't want to be a shithead about it. That's the appropriate response. I'm calling HR because this is inappropriate behavior." Just leave. You don't belong working with other humans. There are plenty of jobs that you can go do where you're sequestered off in the basement by yourself. Go find one of those jobs. Don't go to a contact center where you're literally surrounded by dozens of people every day that you are working. Talking to 70 to 100 people a day. Oh, my God. You hate humans. What are you doing in a job where you're surrounded by them and talking to them all the live long day? That's just my opinion. There's plenty of people that disagree, and I'm fine with that. But we used to do the Nerf thing. It got shut down because of that kind of a human. And if I were to have the perfect work environment, one of my interview questions would be like, how do you feel about Nerf Wars? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not saying that this is going to be part of your daily life. I'm saying, how do you feel about the idea that one day randomly somebody starts a marshmallow war and you get hit with a marshmallow and you also get the ability to hit other people with marshmallows? Or somebody pulls out a Nerf gun and you get hit with a random dart. Like, how do you feel about that? And they're like, "Uh, that's definitely not my thing. I'd be like, this isn't the place for you. Don't work here. 
because Nerf Wars and Marshmallow Wars are fun. And if you hate them, I, like, I'm only saying this to you because you said like, you didn't, you were kind of neutral. You were like, yeah. you got pelted a bunch. You didn't seem to have any strong feelings about that. It was a one-time thing. You hit, maybe you threw some at somebody else. Like, best case scenario, the person's neutral. Like, all right, well, that was interesting. <laughs> like, moving on. But if you're a person that's like, I'm going to go tattle because I got hit or, and I didn't want to be hit, that's a kind of human I just don't want to work with. I would much rather encounter you who's like, I no feelings really strongly one way or the other. Yeah. I could have done without it. I thought it was kind of weird, but I played along. I, I That's need fine. To, I need to go through some of these thoughts in my head. One yeah. is you've got to know your audience. Um, it has to be okay for somebody not to participate when you're talking about a call center with 500 people in it. Well, it's the same it's, thing. We, when we I, just quick, quick <clears throat> interruption, when we went off site to do the Nerf war thing, there was absolutely at least one person. She had super long nails and she was very much a like, that's not my kind of activity kind of person, which is strange because she's also a hunter, but whatever. Like she had long nails. She didn't want them to break and she didn't want to play. Like and I didn't make her yeah. like, sorry, sorry, sister, you're here and this is what we're doing. You must know that's a ridiculous yeah. requirement. Well, uh, I think there's a reasonable expectation for somebody to be able to show up to work and not get hit in the face with a marshmallow or a dart gun. That's a reasonable uh, expectation. Yeah, that's a reasonable expectation. But if you're going to lose your shit over it, maybe it's not the right workplace for you. HR is going to side with that individual every uh, single time. HR is going to side with the individual no matter what, yeah. every time. Because so, that's what HR focuses on, yeah. the individual, never this, the team, never the This just goes right back to knowing your audience yeah. and... You know, that we, we rotate out and it's Tuesday and that person's not working. Nerf war. Yeah, <laughs> Nerf that's war. a great point. And, yeah. and, and it's something point. where I think you do have to have a baseline of respect. Um, I, I was I was in one of those situations and somebody did get hit in the face and it was like, we're done. You know, it was Fourth of July. Calls were like 20 minutes apart. There was a ton of free time on the floor. We're watching fireworks out the window over the valley, things like that. And somebody, somebody got popped and it was absolutely reasonable at that point as the manager on duty for me to walk around and go, put them away. We're done. Period. But if that person who got hit in the face did not have a negative reaction, would you have shut it down? I wouldn't have. And in this case, this is what I'm talking about. The lowest common denominator. Yes. That's so. And this is that that's we're, we're in, we're simpatico with this. Which is why I said in a perfect world, that person would not work for us in this environment because getting hit in the face with a Nerf dart is on the list of shit that could happen to you is pretty low on the intensity scale. Welcome to the shenanigan show. Yeah, it's so anyway, we we can move on from that. I guess actually that that's kind of the thing. So quick summary. If, if you are inclined to warm people up in the beginning of a meeting in invoke a topic of conversation try to get people to know each other know each other not things about them that are quirky or like i said you know the pizza toppings or whatever like yeah. nobody cares that's not getting to know somebody get like invoke a topic that actually gets people to start talking if you're going to do something team building related then have an activity that you know, either have a rotation where people are getting to pick when it's their turn, what they're doing. Don't require people's attendance or participation. Here's what to have in mind. To get to know each other, to have a good time, to ideally bond. These are the things that you should have in your head. And if you're 
doing something that's supposed to teach them a lesson, get get rid of that. That's a terrible idea. And then lastly, call them something else. This is we're going to get into this by the way. This is a topic I want you and I to get into in a later podcast is tropes. Not going to dive into it right now, but just a small example of it is things like icebreakers and team building exercises are tropes and they are not effective because everybody yeah. knows what they are. And they can smell them a mile away and they know what you want and then they don't want to give it to you. They're just, if they're playing along, they're being nice or because they feel required to because it's part of their job. So call them something else and do something else. You can, you can have this idea, but do something else that other people in big corporate BDCs are not doing. One of the best things that we did and that I've continued to do with every group that I've had since in meetings and, and I really do it. It's, it's got the essence of what you want from an icebreaker. People start to engage. People start to talk. We did it in every single meeting. And if you're listening to these podcasts from front to back, you've heard this already. It's recognition and epic fails. Here's the things that somebody did this week that deserve to be recognized. And whether that was, uh, you know, Max talking about us or even in some cases, recognition for people on my team that aren't in the room, but I'm still going to put out the fact that they're acting as a leader, that they're, they're doing the things that they need to do, or they've, they've, you know, hit some, some stride where they've surpassed a certain point. Um, and then recognizing each other is really, really powerful and it drives connection. But then beyond that epic fails where we're still vulnerable and we're human and we make mistakes. So we have the best of both worlds of I am imperfect help (laughs) (laughs) and I see great things happening and, and moving through that flowing water back and forth of recognizing somebody and recognizing we're also not perfect. That's how we started every single meeting. It was bonding. It was connecting. It was engaging. It, it accomplished exactly what we're talking about with icebreakers, but it did it in the right way as opposed to being a trope. Bottom line, for Max and I at least, and we would love to hear whether or not you agree, you can reach out to us at authorityoptional at gmail.com. Authority Optional Podcast. Let me redo that. You can reach out to us at authorityoptionalpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear your icebreaker ideas and uh, and share some of them, especially if you had some that were absolutely terrible. That would make for some good pod. And remember, if you're not having any fun, you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm.